sometimes think about something that you saw or something that you said or something that you were a part of? Do you ever just get in your head a little bit and relive moments? And while you're in your head, you kind of laugh about them or you somehow feel the emotion you had at that time. For me, it's usually embarrassment. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but every now and then I just go back to these situations, these conversations that I have, things I do and see, and I just analyze them and I go through it a little bit. I'm going to assume that you're with me. You're not here to give me feedback. You're not here to say, yeah, we do that too. So I'm just going to assume you do that. And I'm not weird doing that by myself. I'm going to assume that we all do it. Just recently, I've been doing that a lot with times from Chapel Roswell. In my mind, I'm going back to these Sundays at 11 o'clock when we all used to gather right here in the chapel. And I'm remembering all of the faces of our production team as they would busy around and make sure that they did light checks and sound checks and that we were all set for worship. I'm remembering the faces and times that I was with this group of people called greeters. I don't know, do you remember them? They were people who used to stand outside the doors and their whole job was to greet you with a totally uncovered face. And they would actually shake your hand or pat you on the back or if they knew you really well and it was okay, they would give you a hug. I'm remembering all the musicians and all the energy that they brought to our worship. In particular, I'm remembering one Sunday morning after worship, Chapel Roswell had just finished and I looked over and there was a group of people and they were just standing there talking to each other, enjoying each other, laughing, having a great conversation. And for some reason, I decided, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to laugh with them. I want to hear the story. And so I just walked right over there to the group of people and somehow just barged in their conversation. And I said, well, well, hey, it's great to see the Booker family in worship today. And everybody just kind of looked at me and the wife said, yes, the Helms family did enjoy worship today. I'm like, okay. And I just kept talking. I'm like, so, hey, Mark, how was your week? And he looks at me and begins to talk about his week. And his wife again said, yes, John and I had a great week with our boys. And I was like, boy, are you sure? I thought you had daughters. No, the Helms family, we're just got our sons and we had a, John and I had a great week. So I didn't think much of it. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, okay, all right, bookers, you'll have a great week. Mark, great talking to you. And I walked out. And as soon as I hit the chapel door, it all rushed in my mind and thought, oh my gosh, I just spent that entire conversation calling them by the wrong names. And yes, their wife was trying to be polite and correct me, and I ignored all of it. Instead, I just changed the name completely. I'm a little embarrassed telling you about that. I changed the name. It can happen. Genesis 17 says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you 
and I will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, And as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Can you imagine getting a new name at the age of 99? Scripture is used to tell us about historical events. It can set a date and a time and a place. That's why it uses names of kings and pharaohs and Caesars and taxes. We have books dedicated to laws and to the time of the judges. And even the chronicler takes time to tell us about the different time periods of the kings. People who aren't theologians look to scripture as another historical record. What is interesting about this text or this part of Genesis is that it's a part of something larger. It's not a historical event. They're actually called family stories. And so in the midst of all the historical events happening, the writer takes a moment to tell us about a family story. They're also called household events. And in this particular case, the household event is a name change. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Later, Jacob will get a name change. Saul will get a name change. Even, even Jesus gets a name change a little later. And the change occurs in the household to show a new reality. God comes to Abram and Sarai and makes a promise that God will be the God of all the nations and all their offspring. And what is also interesting about this is at the same time the promise is being made, at the same time of the new covenant, the same time that Abraham and Sarah are getting new names, God receives a new name too. For the first time in 17 chapters of scripture, God is referred to as a new name, and that Hebrew word is El Shaddai. And so in the midst of the historical events, the household event of a name change is occurring. And a new reality, a new promise, and a new covenant is made. In the midst of a historical event, a household changes and a new reality emerges. We know this to be true. A historical event is a wedding that takes place. There's a day and a time and a place. But the real household change is possibly in a name change or a hyphenated name, or even the intentional decision not to change a name. And the new reality is one of love. It's a historical event to coronate a new king or new queen, but it's a household change when he or she spends time selecting a new name, not their birth name. And the new reality is one of leadership. It's a historical event when the white smoke appears and a new pope is elected, or when a Catholic man or woman decide to take monastic vows. 
It's a household change when they spend time in prayer selecting a pontiff name or a saint name. And the new reality is one of complete dedication. It's a historic event when a culture decides to end racism. And the real change has to happen in companies and breweries and country music stars that are deciding that syrup and rice and toothpaste and all sorts of brands are going to change their logos and their names. And the new reality is one of equality. We are living in a historic event that goes by many different names. Some people call it COVID-19. Some people call it coronavirus. Some people call it the pandemic. Um, I have a friend that actually believes in the Beetlejuice theory that if you name something three times, it appears. And so he just calls it that which shall not be named. It goes by many names. And we all know that there are many household changes and there are many new realities for us. Yes. We are all waiting to see what the school board will ultimately decide. We're waiting to see about corporations starting back again. And we're very anxious to learn about new mandates of masks and social gatherings and the number of people and social distancing. Those are all new realities, but that's not quite what I'm talking about. In the midst of a historical event, what matters most is what's happening in the household because that will change reality. What we do in our households now can impact nations later. All the names in scripture mean something. When God gives you a new name, there is actually a meaning to the name. Abraham means father of the nations. There's a multitude of nations that comes from Abraham, and we know that promise to be true. There are three religious traditions to be exact. Names mean something. To this day, when I think about that wonderful Chapel Roswell family, in my mind, I automatically change the name again. And when I think about him, I think about Ed Helms because Ed Helms is a great comedian, a great actor, but he is not a member of Chapel Roswell. But who is, is Lynette and John Helms. This is a wonderful family. And I think I make the association of the names because of how funny the comedian is. I think how funny and loving Lynette and John Helms are. You see, names have meanings. Every time in scripture, God changes a name. There's a reason for it. It means something. And in particular, Abraham meant father of the nations. And we know that Abraham became the father of actually three different religious traditions. And so that promise was fulfilled. The household event changed nations. So I wonder, I want to ponder a few questions with you. I offer you these questions just for you to think about this week. If God were to come into your household and make a name change, what would it be? What name would your lives be given? And what would it mean? If God were to come and give your whole time of this historical event and this whole household event a name, what would it be? What are those things in your household that need changing? What are those things in your schedules that you need to add or take away? What are those habits that are forming in your household that are good 
And what are those habits in your household that are not so good? And how are your relationships in the household between partners and spouses and children and cousins and in-laws and the family you can't see? How is your household changing? Because right now, how your household changes could impact nations later. Abraham and Sarah were given the promise that the God would be the same God of the nations and all their offspring. That's their family story. We are the descendants. We are the ones that are given that same promise, the same God. Our family story is the same one. When I think about the household of Chapel Roswell, I think about the household name change we've had to make. And right now it's virtual. We worship virtually. But if God were to give Chapel Roswell a new name that describes what our household has been during this historic event, I would like to think the name is present. Chapel Roswell is present. Chapel Roswell has been here and is here now and will continue to be here. Our new reality is that we have to be intentional to worship. We want you to make Chapel Roswell a part of your household event. I look forward to a time when we can all gather again in this space, in this beautiful chapel, when we can see each other's faces and we can call each other by name. And we can talk about all of the different things that we've done in this historic event within our own households. Until then, know this. Inside of each of us of this household, there rests a blessing. And there is a promise. And there is a covenant. And together, as a household of Chapel Roswell, we will continue to worship with love, with leadership, with dedication, and with equality. Amen.